0: This is limitless spirit a practical inspirational and thought-provoking weekly podcast about the impact of faith and christian identity in today's world and now here's your host champion of jesus and people who love him world traveler and co-founder of world missions alliance helen todd
1: welcome to episode 24 of the limitless spirit podcast today we continue the conversation about marriage how to make it better how to make our relationship with people around us better. And the reason I wanted to focus on this subject is that one of the life-altering side effects of the COVID-19 pandemic are deteriorating relationships between people, and particularly the strain it has created in marriages. Overall, the conventional marriage has been under attack in the recent years, and the challenges and uncertainty that came with the pandemic only add to it. Let's face it, even without the outside pressure, marriages are often sacrificed to busy schedules, demands of raising children, careers, and personal desires. We either take our spouse for granted or we give up on marriage because we eventually come to realize that we can't change another person. Or can we? Dr. Gary Chapman has been helping couples to save and improve marriages and relationships for over two decades, and he is the one who discovered the revolutionary concept of five love languages that help us communicate our commitment and appreciation towards each other. His book, The Five Love Languages, sold over 12 million copies and has been on the New York Times bestseller list since 2007. So while he was quarantined with his wife during the COVID-19 pandemic, he was inspired to write a follow-up to his book, and it is titled, Five Simple Ways to Strengthen Your Marriage When You're Stuck at Home Together. In the previous episode, Dr. Chapman and I talked about the importance of calling a truce on throwing verbal bombs and how to tear down emotional walls that we build within the unresolved conflicts. Today, we we'll continue the conversation and explore the practical ways to create teamwork environment within a marriage and talk about what submission means in marriage and where do we start if we want to see a change in our spouse. This is a theme through your book that normally you hear people say, well, it takes two to make a marriage, takes two to break a marriage. But Sometimes there's just one person in marriage that is willing to start doing something, and they say well i can 't do anything unless the other person participates, and so you uh, really break this perception by saying, "Start with yourself <laughs> and you can influence the other spouse. So I love that I think it 's going to be very encouraging to many listeners well i 'm um, talking more about the emotional walls you know i've been, I read the chapter and i 've been thinking about it you know, not every offense is a big deal and you don't don't even bring it up maybe. You know, you, you felt offended, but you don't bring it up. But the little things build. So how do we prevent these emotional walls from happening? Because you don't want to bring every little thing up and make a big deal out of it and make the other person apologize. So what is a healthy way to do it?
0: you know, I think you're right. If it's just a simple little thing, you know, but you realize, you know, you shouldn't have said that. Sometimes just, I'm sorry, honey, I should not have said that is all that's needed. If it's a huge offense, obviously the apology needs to involve more than that. But but here's the way to approach your spouse. If you have been hurt by something they did or said or something they didn't do or didn't say, rather than criticizing them, what if you said, honey, if something was really bothering me, would this be a good time to share it with you? And and they have a choice. But the fact that you have said that to them, chances are they'll either say, "Well, yeah, this 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 would be a good time," or they will say, "Not now, honey. I got to finish this project." But a little later, I I, I want to hear it. You see, it, it's it's you're what you're doing is you're asking them if something were bothering you, would they? would they like to hear it? Would they be open to hearing it? That's very different from just lashing out and said, last night when you did so and so and so and so, you don't know how bad you hurt me. Well, that's a bomb that you've thrown at them, condemnation you've thrown at them. But if you take the other approach and and ask them if they would like to hear if something were bothering you, because maybe you misunderstood what they said, You know, maybe you misunderstood what they did, And they have a chance to say, well, honey, I'm sorry that that hurt you. You know, that really is not what I thought I said. Maybe I did. If it's what you heard, I guess I did. But that's not what I had in my heart. But I can see how you would be hurt. And and please forgive me for it. So it's just looking for an easier way to bring up the things that really hurt you in the relationship. If we do this on a regular basis, we keep the door open to dealing with our failures.
1: Now, this may be a loaded question, but do you think (laughs) women are more likely to overthink the offense or, you know, attribute something to it that is not there or it's not gender specific?
0: You know, I, I don't know that it's gender specific. I think it depends more on the personality of the person. Because there are some males and some females that are much more sensitive emotionally to things. And a lot of times it has to do with their background and what they've been through. Uh, and, you know, if a wife or a husband has been mistreated by a former mate in a, in a marriage or even by their parents, then their they're, they're they're t- antenna is up to those kind of things. So I don't know that it's so much a gender thing. It's, it's an individual thing. But let's face it, all of us get hurt from time to time by what other people say or do to us. And rather than let it destroy us and destroy the relationship, wouldn't it be better to reach out and say you know, something like that? Honey, if, if, if something were bothering me, uh, w- would this be a good time to share it with you? And, and we, we can keep relationships from coming to the breaking point when we do this.
1: Now, our faith gives us a pretty uh, clear structure for marriage. Um, You know, the wife submits to their husband. But uh, how how do we practice this submitting to the spouse without becoming a doormat?
0: Well, you know, Helen, a lot of people think that the word submit is a female word because of the passage you just mentioned. But two verses before that in Ephesians 5 says, submitting to one another. It's not just a female that needs to submit to her husband. Husbands need to be submitting to their wives. It's an attitude. I'm here to enrich your life. What can I do to help you? What can I do to make your life easier? That's the attitude that makes a church work. It's an attitude that makes a marriage work. It's, It's an attitude. You know, Jesus himself said about himself, I did not come to be served, I came to serve.
1: Exactly, so that, <laughs> that was my thought.
0: That's the model for us, you know. I'm not in this marriage to be served, I'm in this marriage to serve. If, But if both of you have that attitude, you'll both be serving each other. You both will become winners. And that's what God intended marriage to be. That husband has an attitude of service to his wife, she has an attitude of service to him, and they're just looking for ways to do that. And when you do it, the marriage flourishes because you're helping each other become the person that God wants them to become.
1: This is perfect. Now, you have discovered this concept of five love languages that has been um, truly a revolutionary concept in relationship. And um, you bring it up again in this book as a refresher course. Um Let's talk about these five languages of love. Well, the
0: basic message behind this concept is that what makes one person feel loved doesn't make another person feel loved. And all of us agree that our deepest Mm. emotional need on the human level Mm. is the need to feel loved by the significant people in our lives. And if you're married, the person you would most like to love you is your spouse. If you feel loved by your spouse, life is beautiful. If you don't feel loved by your spouse, life begins to look dark. So it's important to learn how to meet that emotional need for love. And we've made the mistake of believing that if something makes me feel loved, it will make my spouse feel loved. And that's not true. And what I discovered is that there's five fundamental ways to express love emotionally. I call them, as you said, the five love languages. And seldom does a husband and wife have the same love language. And you have to learn how to speak the other person's language. So here are the five briefly. One is words of affirmation, which we've been talking about already. Just looking for things you can compliment them about. Words. Uh, You know, there's an ancient Hebrew proverb that says life and death is in the power of the tongue. We can kill the other person. We can give them life by the way we talk to them. And then a second love language is acts of service, doing something for the other person that you know they would like for you to do. Uh, In a marriage, that would be such things as cooking meals, washing dishes, vacuuming floors, mowing grass, washing cars, walking the dog, changing the baby's diaper, anything that you know your spouse would appreciate. Now, you know, there's an old saying, actions speak louder than words. If this is your love language, that's true. Actions will speak louder than words. And then a third love language is gifts. It's universal to give gifts as an expression of love. The gift says, they were thinking about me. Look what they got for me. It doesn't have to be expensive. It's the thought that counts. And for some people, these gifts, little or big, inexpensive or expensive, speak love to them. Number four is quality time. Giving them your undivided attention. I do not mean husband and wife sitting on the couch watching television. Someone else has your attention. I'm talking about TV off, computer down. We're looking at each other. And it doesn't mean we're always sitting on the couch. We can take a walk down the road together. And the whole purpose is that we're going to be with each other or maybe doing something in the yard together. The important thing is not what you're doing but we're giving each other our full attention. And then number five is physical touch. In a marriage, that's such things as holding hands and kissing, embracing the whole sexual part of the marriage. And out of the five, each of us has what I call a primary love language. And if you don't speak their primary language, they will not feel loved even though you're speaking some of the other languages. So the key is discover your language Speak it on a regular basis and you meet this deep emotional need in
1: America. And it's very powerful because each one of these languages is not like Mandarin. It's not hard to learn. (laughs) It's just a matter of you wanting to do this for your spouse. Um, in your book, you talk about the importance of teamwork and importance of helping each other achieve our goals. But how do you negotiate? Sometimes these goals of the spouses conflict each other. So how do you, negot- how do you negotiate when these goals are conflicting?
0: Well, often they do. And uh, marriage is a, is a team sport. <laughs> it's two people on the team, okay? When you take an athletic uh, field, Uh, Not all the players play that have the same role, but they all have the same objective. We want to win the game. So husbands and wives don't have the same role. We we play different roles, but we want to to have a good marriage. And so, you know, hopefully couples did this early in the marriage. Some did, some didn't. Uh, And it's based on who is best at it, who has a passion for it. I mentioned earlier, you know, in, in about my marriage that my wife is cooking and I'm washing dishes these days. Of course, I've been we've been doing that for years. Well, I'm really good at washing dishes. You know, I love doing it. She's really good at cooking. I cannot cook, okay? <laughs> so she plays <laughs> that role, I do the dishes and the pots and pans and and we both are using our skills for the benefit of the other person. That that's what we're looking for. Of course, When we're shut up in the house together, as we have been, uh, the whole playing field changes. Uh, For example, we might need to rethink our roles. Maybe she's been cooking breakfast in the morning for the kids, even though she's not a morning person. And now she's thinking, since I don't have to go to work, maybe I just sleep in a little bit. And maybe the husband is a morning person and he can say, well, honey, that would be a good idea. You sleep in. I'll, I'll fix breakfast during this time. So we, our roles might change, you know, during this time of pandemic, just adjusting to the new playing field. But the important thing is that we realize we're on the same team. Let's don't fight each other. Let's work together to make this good for both of us.
1: What advice do you have for couples who are separated as a result of the pandemic rather than cooped together in the house?
0: Well, you know, I wrote a book some years ago for military couples. It's called uh, The Five Love Languages, Military Edition. In which I talked about how do you keep, how do you speak the love languages when you're half a world away? One of you is deployed. Same principles apply here. For example, you would think that physical touch would be impossible half a world away. But one lady said, I knew my husband's language was physical touch. So while he was deployed, I put my hand on a sheet of paper, I traced my hand, I mailed it to him with a note that said, Put your hand on my hand. I want to hold your hand. He told me later, Gary, every time I put my hand on that paper, I felt her. <laughs> it's not literal oh. touch. It's emotional touch. And that's what we're talking about. So uh, all of these love languages can be spoken when we are apart. And consequently, we keep that, the love languages alive. We keep We continue to meet the need of the other person during this time.
1: Another thought I had when I was reading your book that it's not just couples who can benefit from from these five ways of strengthening the relationship we live in a culture of contempt where people um due to their political disagreements or anything else that is dividing us uh, right now in our country they they have forgotten how to be courteous, how to be polite, how to be respectful towards each other. And do you think these principles that you outline are also applicable in our relationships with people around us?
0: You know, Helen, I really do believe that. I wrote the book, obviously, for married couples, but I believe these principles apply in any human relationship. And I believe that we can build friendships with people that we disagree with, politically or otherwise. Because as Christians, we value every single person as one who's made in the image of God and therefore very, very valuable. And so, yes, we're going to disagree on a lot of things in life, but we can, we can be friends with people, which means a friendship means I'm here to do what I can to help you. You know, Jesus said, you know, look at the message he gave of the Samaritan. The guy didn't even know him. He was down on the street." And he really needed help. And so he reached out and he, Jesus said, he's the one being a neighbor. He's the one being a friend to the guy. So, yeah, I think uh, these principles will help us build relationships at work, help us build relationships in our, the communities where we live, uh, help us in our dating relationships for those who are single. And, and many of these things apply also to our children and helping our children learn how to do these things
1: and prepare for marriage you said you know people decide these things before they get married how many really do <laughs> when we're young and and you know we're dating our future spouse um we, we don't put priorities on these things I think this book is also great for the young people who are dating uh, you know before they make the decisions about marriage um, so I really want to thank you for writing uh, such a valuable resource if someone wanted to purchase your book uh, and we'll put a we'll put a link in the show notes to your website but how can they how can they They get this book?
0: Well, they can go to fivelovelanguages.com, which will be on your website, the number five, fivelovelanguages.com. They can see more about this book and uh, they can also order it either there or they can order it on Amazon as well. Uh, Both places are are available. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's readily available. But also at that website, they will find a free quiz on how to determine each other's love language. And there's one there for husbands and wives, there's one for single adults, and there's one for teenagers and one for children. So they find a lot of help at that website.
1: That is fantastic. We will definitely post the link to the website. I want to thank you uh, for this interview. It's been very enlightening and inspiring. I wish you the very best in keeping our marriages strong. I truly believe that the principles in Dr. Chapman's book can be used not only in marriage or romantic relationship, but equally are useful in our relationship with people around us in general. If we want to see a change in someone, first we start with examining ourselves. Is there something I can change in me to become a better person, better friend, or better spouse? While making changes yourself, for the sake of other person, seems like a big sacrifice. When it comes to marriage, it can change the quality of our lives in the most magnificent way. I hope you enjoy Dr. Chapman's book as much as I did. Find the link to his website in the show notes or simply go to 5, as in number 5, lovelanguages.com. As always, I thank you for listening to this podcast. I love receiving your emails, your comments, your suggestions. I feel like we're building a community of people who want to make a difference. If you want to help us continue producing this podcast, you can donate by going to rfwma.org slash forward give. Until next time.
0: Thanks for listening to Limitless Spirit with Helen Todd, produced by World Missions Alliance. Are you ready to step out of your comfort zone? Do you have a passion to help people and share your faith across the globe? Visit our website, rfwma.org, and get involved in the Great Commission through short-term missions. We hope you'll leave a review and check out other episodes. We'll be with you in a week on our next episode of Limitless Spirit.